0: Happy 4th of July, everybody. We're recording on the 4th of July. Um, We're going to talk about some NBA free agency. Obviously, it has been absolute insanity. So let's just start it off. Jimmy Butler is headed to the Timberwolves. Um, What do you guys have to say about this? We thought he was going to the Cavs, possibly, but then out of nowhere, he went to the Wolves.
1: Yeah, the Celtics could have had that play for a long time. Everyone knows about the trade assets that they have, but... It's just a weird market because how it's strange to me that the Bulls ended up, I don't know, only getting that offer back. It was Zach Levine. um, Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn, who didn't have a very stellar first year in the league. And then the number seven pick this year, they used on Markman, which is neither here nor there, that's on them at that point. But uh, I don't know, it just seems like there were better options out there. I love it for the the Timberwolves, I think that's a great... Excuse me. Uh, great for them. Uh, Jimmy Butler should be a good addition to that team, especially under Pips. Get someone that kind of um, adds the experience in the defensive uh, sort of playmaking. Yeah, teams
0: mm-hmm. not getting enough value seems to be like a theme this
2: offseason. What were you gonna say, Keen? Um, I'm just uh, I'm just mad at Boston. Just overall their inability to commit or their unwillingness to commit and just make a move has upset me now to a degree to where I don't even want to speak about Danny Ainge or what Danny Ainge is doing or anything to do with the Boston Celtics organization and that is where I'm at. I'm so tired of this because that's a peanuts deal. That's the same deal Minnesota was going to get last year when all this BS was swirling around about Jimmy Butler to the Boston Celtics and and then the Timberwolves came in and on draft night, there were a lot of rumors swirling around it was going to be the pick that eventually turned into Chris Dunn, it was going to be Levine, and it was going to be next year's pick. It's the same offer that we were going to get last year. It's just been, it's just been realized and now seems, in theory, less valuable because Chris Dunn has been exposed because as soon as you make a pick, it is devalued automatically. Like I said, the ninth pick is forever more valuable than Yacom And... That's just, that's where we're at. It just is a seemingly less valuable offer than it was last year and all the news cycle and all the garbage that everybody yaps on Twitter when Danny Ainge isn't actually going to do anything. Can we do a quick rundown? Just
1: like quickly. We don't have to go long on this, but. Oh, do the about the players that they've whipped on. So it goes back, I'd say, to Demarcus Cousins, Kevin Love. Now we got Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Clay Thompson. Thompson's in there. Okay, um, but I'm gonna. I'll play doubles that
2: I'll
0: defend the Celtics okay. for a second, even though I don't really care. <laughs> Look at where they finished in the East last year. Look at where they're positioned. Obviously, the East is weak, and it's a trashy weaker.
1: weak. is a trashy. <laughs> well, I'm. I see both sides of this. I mean, Dennis Schroeder's
2: gonna be an All Star next year. Like, okay, let's, let's talk, talk to about me about no, no, wait, wait,
0: wait. Let's say. Let's say Danny Age and the Celtics were able to pull off one of those deals. And instead of whiffing on one of those players, they hit a grand slam. Does that actually put them over the top? Does that mean they can actually beat the Cavaliers? Okay, listen. Listen, listen to me for so. one second. Listen to me I don't for one second. So.
2: Listen to one. Listen to once. <laughs> one second. Listen up here. How in the world? How in the world is a team of Isaiah Thomas, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, and Al Al Horford? And then whoever they can go out and sign as a fifth rotational starter, how <laughs> while retaining either Terry Rozier or Marcus Smart, how is that not better than what they've got right now? How is that not better? they it's not. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying You only have to beat the Cavaliers. You only—they may be better to beat the Cavaliers. Did you just listen to the lineup I just told you? Isaiah Thomas, <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> Butler, Paul George, Al yes. Horford, and and Jay Crowder. That was attainable. Or Jalen Brown. That was attainable because you've got so many picks that you can package together. How in the world is the Lakers pick next year and Jay Crowder not more enticing than Oladipo and Savonis? And that works. How in the world is the Brooklyn pick next year plus Terry Rozier and whatever salary you've got to use to make it work... How is that not better than what the Bulls got? Or maybe you throw an Anton and Yebuseli and Marcus Smart and you keep Brooklyn's pick next year and you send it in. Why? What? The 24 hours that Porzingis was dangled out there, there is no other player besides maybe Anthony Davis or Giannis that is worth the mother load. you know how many 7-foot dudes shoot threes and protect the rim? There's like three in the history of the league. Porzingis is one of them. That's the guy that's worth the mother load. All the picks and what players need to make it work. And I believe that he was available for a short time and yet Danny Ainge again did not pull the trigger. And if Gordon Hayward doesn't sign there, it is going. He's, a, to, he's gonna sign. He has to make the picks. Then he has to make the picks and he's gotta pay Avery Bradley. And now all of a sudden you're D- Danny Ainge's three dimensional chest Celtics BS that's been floated around. Now he looks like an a hole. I hope he has to make all the picks. <laughs> I hope he has to make every single pick. Look, and then in 2025, when we're still talking about the Celtics in two years, he's going to look like a joke. Look, NBA, a joke. I have, I, I feel for Danny Ainge because I
0: remember one of the only sports video games I ever had was on GameCube. It was Madden 04. <laughs> And I did franchise mode all day, and I went (laughs) decades, decades decades (laughs) into that. Like, I'm talking Like, I went 13 years with the Bengals, all right? And I would just... I was so... So intent on getting the the hottest like young player, maybe that's what he's doing. He's
1: playing this like a video game,
0: and I like that. It's interesting. I saw you were about to say something, Jonathan. So
1: lay it on. us. Oh, well, I, I was just impressed by the uh, the commitment to the GameCube uh, sports life. There, I just think that's uh, awesome to go 13 years deep and uh, live that Danny Ainge lifestyle. Or sad? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about Danny Ainge.
0: All right, let's talk about. <laughs> joke. Let's talk about Chris Paul joke. headed to Houston. Do we think that's going to work? That was... When I saw that, I was oh, just like... Oh, it's perfect. Ow! They, it is There were two
2: doesn't I, I cannot wait. Western Conference, Game 7, Chris Paul, 3 for 17, James Harden, 4 for 19, 25-point <laughs> <laughs> loss. I can't wait for it. You. <laughs> you got Choke Paul... And Joe Carden oh, on the same at least team. come up with better nicknames. Oh, I do even need a better nickname? If this team gets out of the second round, that is the greatest achievement that both of these guys would have ever accomplished. Do you accomplished. really think...
0: Why, do you, why are you saying that? Okay, obvious, all jokes aside. Like, so you're saying that they're not no, going to work together?
2: I like the, I do like the fit. I just think that... What?
0: You just said it was...
2: <laughs> I don't know. I just... I just... I do like the fit. I do believe they can play together because I believe... That, what we saw last year, James Harden dominates the ball so much, but he does have a slashing, cutting element to his game. He's discussed that already, that he would like to get back to some of the slashing, cutting, and maybe be more of a pure scorer, but a secondary facilitator. And Patrick Beverly flirted with triple doubles last year. And Chris Paul has Beverly's skill set, and then up onto another level, and or even Stratosphere with his playmaking ability, so they won't, they won't play as fast this year. Yeah, it's going to be more of the D'Antoni pick and roll chess match that they got into in the playoffs. It's going to be hard, It's going to be Chris Paul manipulating the matchups to get the switch he wants on the pick and roll, so that he can get Harden into a secondary pick and roll with the matchups that he wants, and it's going to be slower but more. But I think more efficient, and it's going to be more chess match like then it's going to be run and shoot and gun because they're not as deep and they're not going to be as athletic without um, Beverly and Decker and Chris Paul's knees, you know. They require a little bit of maintenance. The Clippers were a slow-paced team. You know, he likes to walk it up the floor. So I think he's going to do that. And James Harden's a secondary playmaker now, and he's going to be brilliant at it. I'm
1: kind of there with you on uh, – But they're going
2: out in the second round.
1: <laughs> My biggest point that I agree with you on is just I like that – they're at least taking this whole Rockets thing in a different direction. Last year, I thought the Rockets were actually like my favorite elite pass team. They were just super fun to watch. So I'm kind of sad to see that, that sort of style and just hyper like commitment to the, you know, three pointers and uh, layups sort of be a thing of the past. Cause I think now, like you said, it's going to be a little bit more of a chess match, more getting into the mid range, getting into the pick and roll sets and stuff, mm-hmm. switching between him and James Harden. And, uh, it's just going to be a fun experiment. I'm excited to see how D'Antoni is going to handle that and uh, sort of bring Chris Paul into the fold. And hopefully, uh, maybe get him past the second round. But it's hard for me to feel like their chances are extremely better than they were. I, I don't
0: know. They may have been, but given that all of the stars are headed to the west, it's, it's, yeah, it's they're it's, at the same spot or, or worse in my opinion, even though their team may actually be better. But it's,
2: but it's, again, it's bravo to Daryl Morey for putting them even in this position because yeah. now they're, because oh, now they're sniffing around a third star, maybe Carmelo. you got to be in the mix There's, there is a reward for being good. Everybody talked about, oh, packing it in because the Warriors are going to be here. And why would you try to contend for now? Why not try to contend for later? You know why you try now? You know why you try to be good? Because when you are good in a player-driven league, there are discussions going on. James Harden basically recruited Chris Paul. And Chris Paul went to the Clippers and said, Hey, I'm going to leave. Houston's the destination. But you can trade me now so that I can retain my bird rights and you get something for me. So now Chris Paul's got his bird rights. He's going to get his bread next offseason. And the Clippers got Decker, Harrell, and Beverly. And a first-round pick. All pieces that I like. And then, of course, Houston... Uh, did a little bit of cap gymnastics. Uh, if they hadn't, if they hadn't matched Chris Paul's salary and done it when they did, they would not have been able to retain his bird rights like they did. And then we're probably looking at this as a one-year rental. But because they retained his bird rights by matching his salary, they get to keep their taxpayer mid-level of 8.4 million, and they get to keep their biannual exception of 3.2. That's the only reason that they are even still in the hunt for free agents like Nick Young, et cetera. So again, bravo to Dick. Daryl Moore is so good at constructing these trades. And because he's kept Chris Paul's bird rights, they can sign for him over the cap next year. And they're basically the home team. They are now the Clippers. They're the home team. They get to offer more money. Mm -hmm. And because he's over 10 years of service, there is no issue with the designated player extension. He's up for the maximum veteran extension, which is 35% of the cap anyway. So they get to offer a significant amount of dollars more and an extra year to retain him. If they do go out and acquire a third superstar, they'll be in the running. And then if they don't, they'll have Max Caps basically in the next offseason. Because there's essentially no one under contract other than your man, um, James Harden, and a reset $7 million, which is modest. And then you're going to have uh, the restricted free agency of Clint Capella to face. But you can sign someone into the space while you're awaiting an offer sheet from another team like the Spurs did with the Kawhi extension when they brought in Aldridge. They just let him go into restricted free agency and chose the match rather than signing him to the match extension and chewing up their cap space for that summer. Maury Ball at its finest. Let's yeah, talk yeah. about
0: another top-level NBA executive who... this This was another deal that kind of happened... Amidst all of these other swirling rumors that were very persistent throughout the offseason thus far, this is Paul George. He's going to the Lakers. He's going to the Lakers. And then it was like, nah, Paul George is going to the Cavs. He's going with Bron. And they were like, no, he's going to the Celtics. And then all of a sudden, he's in Oklahoma City. What in the hell is that about?
1: Yeah, that was probably, I don't know. Real quick, do you guys think, which one was more shocking, the Jimmy Butler trade or the OKC one? I, I, sure. I the think was Paul most yeah. shocking trade. And like just a couple hours before free agency and everything, too, it was just. I mean, not that it, I mean they could still make that trade afterward, but yeah. uh, just in the like you said in the midst of all that stuff, it was uh, it was pretty wild to see. It's a strange place. I mean, it's just another example of an executive making moves and keeping his team interesting and like making a run at it. So you always appreciate that, but. I'll be um, fascinated to see how that team plays. And you think they can
0: work together or not?
1: I think they. I don't have too much doubt that they can make it work as a team. I'm more curious if they're going to make it work enough to
2: convince Paul George to want to stay. After right. Well, year. but again, by making this trade, they've done the same thing that Houston did with the Los Angeles Clippers. They retained Paul George's bird rights. Yeah. And they now they can make him that. A larger offer on an extension and if they are good and they are relative and they're semi-competitive then you're all the way there but Presti just like Maury this is the thing about Moneyball the most valuable contracts are actually maximum contracts like Beverly is a great deal at about at about six million dollars a year so some people would say Beverly's the best contract in the NBA or people would say Jay Crowder is on the best contract in the NBA at about $6 million a year. Well, that's a lie. Because LeBron James is on the best contract in the NBA. Whatever his number is, it's half as much as he'd be worth on an open market. Paul George is on the best, He's on one of the best contracts in the NBA. Because it's the old CBA max. It's under $20 million. Paul George is getting paid less money than Victor Oladipo is next season. The Thunder just shed salary by acquiring Paul George. The max contract is a deficiency in a market system that means that it's the most valuable contract. That's why Daryl Morey always chases stars because he knows that in the Moneyball concept, a maximum contract in the NBA is incredibly valuable. That's why you're willing to give up four years of Oladipo at eighty-four million. I'd be happy to get rid of that. Given what he looked like this season, and then Sabonis, you know. Eleventh overall pick, kind of a flyer, modern big. You know, can rebound a little bit, gets a little on the offensive glass, but also spaces and shoots the triple. And you can see him; he could carve out a fifteen-year career. Is he? A, he's never going. to He he could be the fourth best player on a contending team. Maybe the fifth starter. Is he, is he just a rotational piece? You don't know what he can be. So, if you're the Thunder, you basically traded two prospects. One of them on a bad contract. And you gave yourself flexibility for next summer if Paul George decides to leave, but you know you can pursue another star. And in the meantime, you've made yourself a contender. So I don't see this is a brilliant trade for Sam Christy.
0: I don't know if they're necessarily. I don't think they're a contender at all, actually, given how the West looks. However, I do think. I, I really don't. I don't think they're a contender. Um, I do think though, this is. There's a lot of parallels here between Oklahoma City and Houston. You've got. Four extremely ball-dominant players, two of them now joining forces to try and make it work. And I, I think this can work more so than I believe Chris Paul and James Harden can work. Um, so it'll be interesting, because I know that Russell Westbrook and James Harden, for that matter, they they're, the pace that they were playing at was unsustainable, and it's not going to happen again yeah, in the next NBA season. So it'll take pressure off them, uh, and I think they'll be better for it in the long Hold on.
1: Yeah, we got a sham spawn here.
2: We got an update, update. Adrian Wojnarowski has just retweeted an article by the Players' Tribune, Gordon Hayward, titled Thank You, Utah. Gordon Hayward is joining the Boston Celtics. It is confirmed. Live update. After seven years in Utah, I've decided to join the Boston Celtics. I know that would be tough for, to hear from jazz fans, and I really want you all to know that you mean the world to me and my family. Over the past few days, I've been genuinely torn, and I know that this process isn't easy for the fans either, so I just want to be straight up as possible about why I'm coming to Boston. We will spare you reading the rest of it. That is on the Players' Tribune title. Thank you, Utah. Gordon Hayward is there. It's official. ass is saved this summer because <laughs> he was looking down in the dump without Blake Griffin on the market. Butler gone, George gone. He had to He had to land Hayward.
1: I'd say in the continue, fans'
2: eyes, to continue I mean, this like process, he of. had to land Hayward to stay relevant. And now we have another legitimate contender. I now believe that we have they are six. We, we've got six contenders in the league now. This makes their this makes a sixth contender because I'm not gonna diss Russ. Now they have Paul George after what he did last
1: year. All right, so you were at about an 11 with Danny Ainge about 15 minutes ago. What a best He
2: saved his bacon. I'm at a 7 now. (laughs) Okay,
1: cool. All right, good deal. Uh, Yeah, this is crazy, though. I I was going to let that uh, little segment there go on, but, yeah, that's crazy. I just saw that. It's a four-year, $128 million deal, and, uh, yeah, going back with Brad Stevens in Boston. So that's pretty exciting. It makes the – I wouldn't say it uh evens things out at all between the East and the West,
2: but it's nice to see one player migrate over there. Yeah, I'm surprised more players haven't followed suit. Like even Gallo now is apparently moving within the West in that three team in that three team deal. We were we sort of ne- we had sort of really gotten to the Clippers we talked to Chris Paul trade, but um they re signed Blake to a max extension. They are apparently no longer shopping DeAndre, although that was that was only fleeting on draft night those rumors, and now They've got this three-team trade orchestrated. What can you tell us about it?
0: The three-team trade between Atlanta, Denver, uh, and Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah, it looks like the Clippers are going to get Gallinari. Denver is going to get Atlanta's second round, second overall pick. Or that's second second round round pick. pick? That's right. And then Atlanta is going to get
2: Jamal Crawford and uh, the first round pick from the Clippers
0: in twenty eighteen.
2: So basically, Denver's compensation is a second-round pick for for facilitating this trade for a guy that they were going to lose anyway. And the Hawks are, are have already announced that they're going to waive Jamal Crawford, but they do get a, but they do get um, a first-round pick for his salary, although it'll be a low first-round pick. And now the Clippers have Gallinari. Um, it's a pretty good
0: front court there. It's not bad. I mean, it's crazy. The craziest thing to me about all of this, it just brings to light the fact that the Hawks are tanking. Like, two, three years ago, we were like, oh, shoot, are they going to usurp the Cavaliers, possibly? Millsap, they never were.
2: Millsap is, yeah, he's the last guy off the 2015 2016 Hawks. 60 win team. Teague, Korver, Damari Carroll. Um,. Mill and Horford, all, Horford yeah. Yeah. All, all player of the, of the month, month
1: was the starting five, I think, in like January of that year. Something yeah. I don't think it ever happened like that. So it is weird to see them go uh in this direction so quickly. And it's unfortunate that, you know, it was a fun run for him that year when they were sort of Spurs east. Uh, I think yeah. Bud is still a good coach and stuff, but um who knows if that that's gonna be a dark situation probably soon for Atlanta because he sort of openly relieved himself from uh a position to like, you know, uh, facilitate some moves within uh, the organization as far as like players and things like that. He's kind of just the coach now, and going in this tanking situation—that's a p- place that Atlanta hasn't really been in the last few years. Even if they haven't been a contender necessarily, I think Bud kind of wants yeah, the most out I, of his team. So I just don't, it's not too great looking for them right now.
2: I just never understood um, the whole premise of not not in this market. When it comes to tanking, you hear this, this is a line from a lot of organizations like, oh, well, you know, we can't really, can't tank in this market. Like, it's better to just try to contend for the playoffs. Because if we tank, we're going to lose everybody. And I've heard that thrown out about the Clippers. I've heard that thrown out about um, the Hawks as well. But, you know, the San Antonio Spurs drafted Tim Duncan number one overall. And they're not a big market, but they were the worst team in the league although they had Hall of Famer David Robinson on the roster, and obviously Tim Duncan was a generational talent, they're a big market share now. You know, they're not necessarily a huge market, but they're on national TV all the time. And I just think that the online Twitter sphere for the NBA is sort of, like we talked about with the draft, made market size largely irrelevant. So yeah, if you're good, people will watch, and people will follow. And if you have good, exciting players, they're accessible anywhere. So I do think that it's... It is the right time. I thought Hinky was a contender for the Hawks' job, and I thought that this is something that he would try to do. Um, I thought maybe they might try to orchestrate a Millsap sign and trade but he's gone now. So this move makes sense. After, if you're going to lose Millsap, this move makes sense. And they got rid of Dwight already. They shedded salary. So now they are got a lot of cap room, and they're going to require picks for what they can get for some of the young players. And- you bring up an interesting
0: point about... Uh, the effect of the NBA Twitter sphere and, and the internet and in in general and how you know if you're a good team, people can watch you. I think this brings up an interesting point. We already talked about the difference in you know greatness between the West and the East. Obviously, the West is now just it's it's a joke how overloaded it is to be honest compared to the star level that is in the East. You have LeBron James. Now you have Gordon Hayward. Schroeder's an All Star. Does the NBA seriously consider scrapping the conferences and taking the 16 best teams in the playoffs?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, there's no reason not to. Yeah, that would be amazing from a fan perspective. I'm trying to think of the downsides, like any immediate downsides. Scheduling Scheduling games is
0: pretty much the only thing that I can think of.
1: Yeah, sort of the schedule to go around and stuff like that would uh, get... Yeah, because
2: you would, you play more games against your division opponents because your division opponents are local and it, and it lessens the, the traveling load. But I think for playoff seeding, you know, I don't know why it couldn't be a 16-team best-of best, best of tournament. I mean, we've always had the East and Western Conference. You You hit both television markets in the finals. So, you know, I guess that makes sense. I maybe you could maybe you could do top four seeds in each conference. You know, division winner or you know just the division winner from each conference, and then from the from there it's unrestricted seating. I don't know. You could reorchestrate the tournament in any number of ways. Um, I've heard it. You know, I've heard it discussed. You know, like European soccer has this you know, open table system and. Uh, while you know the leagues are cover much smaller space, it works fine for them in determining a champion. And for us, it would just be for playoff seeding. So I think it's even less important. Once you can get in there, you just get in there, and doesn't really matter. I don't. I mean, few organizations hang division banners
0: anyway. So over under five years before the NBA changes
2: expands, I think we got two. Like I got tears can, down the conferences.
0: Tears down the conferences. I can
2: see two more teams, and then. You realign the conferences and I thought about yeah, I mean I I've, I've been a proponent of this for a long time, adding the Seattle and Vancouver franchises again, and then you you simply realign it to where Minnesota is now in the east and either New Orleans or Memphis are in the east Point Memphis. That gives you a right now contender and that gives you a future contender in Minnesota moving to the east. Would you
0: rather have that or would you rather have the top? Sixteen.
2: I mean I think if you're gonna go with the existing structure, I think an expansion and then moving two teams to the east, especially if one of them is Minnesota, I think that'd be great. And then you realign and now it's now it's eight conferences of four teams apiece and you can play with the schedule that way, maybe reducing the number of games when you change the way the conferences are aligned. And I think also To seventy if
0: like, two games if something. the conferences do get, you know, withheld or upheld rather, which they probably will. I don't really know. It would because Chris Broussard says says this um, that the teams in the West are just they're simply just better managed. Like the organizations are better. That's why players want to go there. Like if you abolish the conferences, it sort of lets the Eastern Conference teams and their their front offices kind of you know fall by the wayside. They don't have to be better. Like we just need we just need them to be smarter. Like the Knicks. What are you doing? Ooh, look, at, look, on. At
2: look at Denver. Look at Denver. Look at the way they're run. Look at their young roster construction. And then look at Milwaukee, whose owners are a joke and who <laughs> fire the GM <laughs> and then don't hire the GM in waiting. Let's talk about, so no, we're, talking about we're talking about Milwaukee Milwaukee's right now. Signed Tony Snell. <laughs> yeah.
0: What was it, four or three years? For four years, 46. 46 million. Just to put that in perspective. Shut your mouth. Um, That's what I'm going to (laughs) say. Patty Mills got, I believe it was three
2: years, fifty million. So that's pretty much four years, fifty million. So and then Joe Ingles got four years, fifty three. Let me talk. Let me talk. Let me preach about the Snell deal. Look, the Snell deal is what we were going to have to pay. Um, I think compared to last year's market, this has been a great market for teams. So look, the Snell number, that's what we were going to have to pay for Snell. The Delhi deal is still a deal I don't like from last offseason, four years, 45. Now you've got Snell in a similar number. We're not really in the market for any big-time free agents. We let go of John Hammond because we don't want to cut a check. Wes Endis, okay, cool. Um, and this triumvirate ownership group that has just been a disaster for the buck. So we have Justin Zanuck who we hired to be the John Hammond replacement. And what do we do? But let Zanuck walk. And then Arturis Karnasovas is out there, the assistant GM for the Denver Nuggets, head of European scouting, the guy, the guy who's found so many great players for Denver. We're in discussions with him. We don't want to cut his check. And so now we have disastrously, because we don't want to pay anyone, before Griff was let go, who would have been a guy you could have negotiated with also to manage the career arc of the most LeBron-like player since LeBron. But no, we don't want that. Let's promote John Horst, 34-year-old 30, f- former analytics <laughs> guy Horace. turned assistant to the assistant's assistant in the front <laughs> office. Now he's the GM, and we re Snell, and then we sit on our hands... And now we're bringing in Derrick Rose for a meeting? We sign Derrick Rose? That is absolute garbage. Garbage for the franchise. I would be so upset if we signed Derrick Rose. Once we could run the second unit, we already have Brogdon and Delhi. They're both backup point guards. So what does Derrick Rose do but shrink the floor for Giannis and take possessions away from him? It's a horrible idea. We absolutely must not sign, sign Derrick Rose to any sort of contract unless it is a veteran minimum and he is happy with 12 to 18 minutes per game. You that is the only circumstance in which it is okay for the Milwaukee Bucks organization to offer a contract to Derrick Rose.
0: You sound like Thomas Paine or some sort of revolutionary <laughs> who, figure. Who
2: could not even get a 17 on his ACT, got Memphis' Final Four banner taken down, Didn't even deserve his MVP when both Dwight Howard and LeBron James had better seasons. That was a fraud. His knees are fraudulent. His ankles are fraudulent. As you can, he didn't even show up for work in the middle of the season for New York. And there was no explanation offered and Phil Jackson never asked any questions because that dude was asleep at the wheel. And so now, now Derek Rose is in Milwaukee for meetings? Get out. Get out! Just, well, he wants to sign in Milwaukee so we can be an hour and a half flight to Chicago. Spend all his time there. Get out of here, Derek Rose. We don't need your bad knees. We already have Jabari. We don't need your ball hogging, non-shooting, pick and roll ass, because we already have Giannis. So, stay out. Stay away. If you can't shoot the three, stay away from Milwaukee. Just put shooters around Giannis.
1: Jesus. Well. I mean, I do you have anything to add? Uh, well, it's hard to come back at our, our Bucks insider here, but um, I'm looking through Real GM's free agency tracker, let's just looking play. at pot- potential other uh, guards that maybe the Bucks could have been looking at. And uh, we took a look at this earlier, Kim, but, I mean, we got guys on here like, would you rather have Jonathan Simmons than Derrick Rose? I mean, Absolutely! <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. He's lying, your honor. <laughs> I mean, you've got... I think Tim Hardaway Jr.'s got some stuff going on right now to where, at least an offer from Atlanta, but nothing reported here at least. About,
2: about $11 million a year is the rumored offer sheet for Tim Hardaway Jr., which I think is inaccurate. Is there, market. is there a number? I mean,
1: we don't have to go too deep on like these, um, different options for players, but, um, know, you mentioned that Derrick Rose is being brought in for a meeting in Milwaukee. Is there a number being thrown around like sort What's the range for Derrick Rose? How's I what's had, the feel on the market right well, now? Well, the
2: range should be the minimum, um, uh, but the range is probably the <laughs> mid-level exception. Okay. And for the over for over the tax team who's looking to contend, looking for a bench unit point guard, um, they already traded for Tim Frazier. So, I know it sounds weird, but Derrick Rose to the Wizards, maybe on a buy bi- if they've got their biannual exception intact, if they match the auto border offer. If auto Porter gets a max, I believe that they're going to lose. If auto offer offered the max, and then they use over five point two million of the of the taxpayers' mid level exception, they're going to lose their biannual exception. So five point two is the number. For, they've got to try to bring back Bojanovic. they got to have something in the second unit. Derrick Rose would be interesting on the biennial exception in Washington. I just don't see too many places where he fits in. I don't know because he's been so ball dominant in his previous stints. You know. I don't think he really fits anywhere. Like to, he, he Sacramento. He came up in a
0: ton, I mean possibly but Sacramento's
2: just, splitting minutes with De'Aaron Fox. I just
0: don't know if he can be, like, a super... I don't think he can be an effective player anymore in the NBA. Like, he he can be fine. He can be fine, well, but his efficiency is, just, is so poor, and he's not
1: obviously not as explosive as he was, and not willing to accept that himself either. It doesn't seem it seems like, he wants like it wants to play like how he used to play. And it.
0: I mean, you can't blame a guy for that. But at no, the end of the no. day, you know, he, he's going to have to, you know, face the music. It's just say. yeah,
1: in the interest of his own career, you got to be able to accept that, as hard as it is, you know. But, yeah, he, um, and,
0: but I mean, he just, he, a, just uh, he he part can't shoot, man. He just can't shoot. Yeah, he's playing in the shooting league right now.
2: Yeah, and speaking of guys who can't shoot, I want to pivot here. Let's talk more about, let's finish off this, this Timberwolves conversation with the Taj Gibson signing. That is a signing that I was, that I am also vehemently opposed to. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be confrontational now the rest of the way here because I'm, that is a, that's a bad signing for that roster construction. Uh, that is, so, Taj Gibson, two years, $14 million. I'm going to do Nick's job, and then I'm going to pass it back to myself, and then I'm going to pass it to Nick, but I'm going to do his job and pass it back to myself again. <laughs> That's what I feel like I'm doing right now. But Taj Gibson, two years, $14 million, $14 million per year to reunite with Tibbs on a roster that is already going to going to owe Georgie Jang and Cole Aldrich. $21 million combined this year. They've got Bielitsa on the books at the good number of the last year of his rookie scale for $4 million. They've got Carl Anthony Towns for about $10 million. So those are their four bigs. And, you know, Pekovic, I think they're going to get that medical waiver. They're going to get a Chris Bosh-like treatment because that dude has serious health issues. So they could end up, you know, seeing his $11 million walk away. But, you know, going on giving that much money for Gibson – is it that much money, though? Do you really think that that's that much money? I mean, considering the fact that they're looking to move Pekovic, they could have easily had the space to sign Gallinari outright. And instead of this signing trade deal, because the first year of Gallinari's deal is $20 million. And I think that's a much better fit than Gibson. They need more shooting, they need a shooting big. I don't but know about that. Why- but
0: Tibbs, Tibbs wants to play that hard nosed defense. He's going to rely and on this Butler why, and Gibson and this, to help orchestrate that and, and help this, get the
2: young guys you know, why, in that system. This is why the president slash coach is always a bad idea. It's a failed Pretty construct. It's yeah. a failed concept. I don't like the Gibson signing because this is another bring the band back together moment. Getting Jimmy Butler is nice, but now you have Wiggins who's shown inconsistencies from beyond three. Now you have Butler who can shoot but isn't a great shooter. Now you got Teague. Can shoot, but not a great shooter. So you have three suspect shooters making up your front court. And now you're going to have Gibson to go along with Towns. Gibson can do some of the offense. Is Towns running. their best
0: three-point shooter?
2: Carl Anthony Towns the is their best three-point shooter, but they need him to also be down low and be that bully exactly. because he's so good on the low block and he's good on the offensive glass. You're going to sacrifice a lot of his rebounding if he's stretching the floor, I don't know that's necessarily... how You want him to be an inside-out player, not this outside-in big... Could
0: these trades, specifically Jimmy Butler to the Timberwolves, because, you know, this is what... I mean, obviously Tibbs really wanted his guys. Is this going to be detrimental to Carl Anthony Towns' growth as a player? Like, let's just say they decide to use him like a Dirk, and they want him to step out and shoot those things. And not go inside and bang in the post? Like, does this, like, you know, bring his ceiling down just a little bit?
1: I think that I would say um, it's probably not great for it. I think he's still on a pretty hard-to-move path. Like, he's Like, the reason
0: I—sorry. The reason I bring this up, though, is because, like, he needs to be the guy.
1: Yeah, I think he's still going to excel. But, like, the problem is— when you're making these moves and trying to win now, and we're not even—I think we can all agree—like we're not sure that they might get. Well, they probably should get into the playoffs now, but it's not much past the first round. I'd say most of us could agree on. And it's like whenever you're like just rushing to get into the playoffs that way, you know they got to learn to do some of that stuff on their own. Like some of these like defensive minded things that Dibs is wanting to teach them. It's like he's just bringing in guys who are making money that they probably don't need to be making, at least not on Minnesota's roster. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of been <laughs> in the way of some development.
2: I just ultimately think that the Taj Gibson is probably more damaging to to Carl Anthony Towns' ceiling than anybody, because Carl Anthony Towns' ceiling is being the only big on the floor, and now we're playing a five-out lineup, and how can you guard us? Because... Our only big is this inside-out big who can handle and shoot. You know, like, how many seven-foot dudes have a handle and a jimmy? Like, the we talked we talked about oh, this. There aren't many. We talked about this. Like, there are not many. He's one of the unicorns in this league. He invented a new club. It's always been 50-40-90. He just invented 50... Or he just invented 60-40-80. He shot, like, after the All-Star break. Like, he was, he's a ridiculous offensive weapon. And his true ceiling is, as it's so big on the floor, yeah. with another guy who's, who starts at three and, and, you know, plays small ball four. That's why I think Galinari would have been nice. That's why I think, like, I think a lineup of, you know, if this had, if the Taj Gibson money hadn't, have already been spent, I think a lineup of just T, Butler, Wiggins, Simmons, in Towns. I think that works in the modern NBA. I think Butler's physical enough for small stretches to guard small ball fours. Why can't he guard? Igwe? I think he could. Why can't he guard Iguodala? He's going to be your guard guy that's probably guarding Durant anyway. Like, why can't he guard? Um, you know, LeBron would be a tough physical matchup, but he already guards LeBron, when mm-hmm. they play him anyway. And why can't? If Wiggins continues to bulk up over the next couple of years, why couldn't he potentially be that guy? He's not that great at defense, though. He's terrible, uh, yeah. and that's something that needs to change. But hopefully, tips. But do maybe that. this maybe this makes the game easier for Wiggins. Now that you have a, you know, Teague is a real point guard, but he can shoot a little bit. There'll be more space. Butler really handles, you know, maybe not Wiggins, and then Towns is the offensive focus. And now, as this third option, Wiggins is just cutting, slashing, and dunking at the rim. And making the game super easy for himself instead of having to try to isolate and create, and you know, now he's going to be a weak side guy attacking weak side. I, I like
0: this a lot. I, I, I out of all the things, I think this is really going to help. I don't him. think this hurts
2: Wiggins. I think a lot of some people talk about hurting Wiggins. I think this this will elevate Wiggins' game by just making the game simple for him. He doesn't. He isn't a natural ball handler. No. And so now being able to play entirely, and now almost being able to play entirely off balls, a slasher, cutter, and scorer, and then being able to lock in on defense on the other end. He's not being asked to handle. I think that's going to really benefit his game. I agree. So what? So
0: we're saying to bring it all a little backward. You say you're saying that Taj Gibson is not worth two years, twenty eight. But what, like, what is a player's value? Because you have Steph get the supermax over 200 mil, I believe. Over, was it four it? years? Something like that? Yeah, I think four, 200 plus. Um, and then you have LeBron out here tweeting, like, his future GM self. <laughs> Steph is actually worth twice that. Let's t- I'm going to bring it outside of basketball really quickly. Because should a professional athlete... Should a basketball player, professional basketball player, be making four
1: hundred million dollars?
0: Like that is that's a lot of money for something that I'm not sure is worth it.
1: I think if we're staying on brand with the transition three basketball podcast here, I think we're all, a lot of us are interested in this uh, free market sort of thing here. You know, like we're talk we talked a lot about this during the draft and how players shouldn't have to be um, withheld to like you know, the worst team if they're the best player in a draft and things like that. So um, just in a vacuum, in theory, I think it makes sense. Like, you shouldn't have, maybe there just shouldn't be cap,
2: um, yeah, yeah, cap space you have to sort of stand by, but... I just don't think it. um, there is no cap. You're saying no salary cap, right, Jonathan? Yeah. I just think that the market will regulate itself in a no-cap scenario Like I said earlier, the most valuable contracts are max contracts. And many guys are probably worth more than the traditional maximum deal. Durant, Westbrook, Harden, LeBron, Giannis, KD, or I think I already said Durant, Anthony Davis. Those guys are worth, as LeBron said, $400 million, right? But by the same coin, the maximum contract is a pivot point for guys that aren't quite Probably even worth that. So in a free market setup, while Steph may make $45 million a year, Al Horford isn't going to get the max at 28. The market regulates and Al Horford is actually worth 21 or 22. Instead of getting the max deal because that's the leverage that he has to negotiate because, hey, there are only so many guys that you can give this kind of money to. So, and this is the ceiling and the way that things are structured. If you reach a certain threshold you're worth a max, even though there are leagues of talent between the best guy playing on a max and the fiftieth guy playing on a max. Yeah, you know, I don't know I'm not I don't know if there are actually that many max contracts, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So it works both ways. And Andre Drummond doesn't get a max mm-hmm. in a free market system. Because there's no max negotiating point of leverage for him to try to wrench out of his team.
1: So you're saying that second-tier players right below a max are the well, ones that... They're going to get paid less, like, like, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. They're going
2: to get paid less. And Reggie Jackson never never makes $16 million if there isn't a max contract as a negotiating point. But LeBron James makes $60 million a year because he's worth that much. He's worth a finals appearance. right? the check. Like, like that's... Like, how valuable is that to... The Warriors have grown from $450 million in value to about $3 billion in value because they've been good for three years. So how much money is LeBron James actually worth? Because he's an automatic finals appearance if you cut him a paycheck. So what do you pay for a finals appearance? Because it grows your right. profile. That's the, the, that's the question. It grows your profile by leaps and bounds and now has made the Warriors this hot commodity. I have mean, heard valuations of four billion dollars for the Warriors. They were purchased for four hundred and fifty million, and now because they've been good, they're worth that much more. So it's like, what is what is a player's contract really worth if that player is certain to carry you to a certain heights?
0: Does anybody? Do either of you know what Adam Silver has he? Talked about this at all? Does any have have you heard about anybody talking
2: about anybody else? The league stance. The league stance is clear. That they want the salary cap to remain intact because owners are all about putting a limit on a credit card. It doesn't need to have a limit because, like, they don't want a bunch of these things. That's why they changed the max restrictions two CBA's ago. They were giving guys seven year deals, and they changed it like, oh, well, seven is too much. Now it's five, and oh, now it's four, and um. They didn't want 30 of these designated player extend exceptions. That's why they wanted to find a mechanism by which they could limit the number of designated player extensions they might have to give out. They just don't want to spend that kind of money. So, of course, it's it's in the league's interest to not have, to have a salary cap. Because they want to contain how much they have to spend, not how much they can spend.
0: I wonder if players, like you mentioned Al Horford, he'd be... In in a free market system, he'd be getting twenty one a year. Is he an advocate for, you know, abolishing the salary cap? Is he like or is he like, wait, wait a minute, guys, we should think about this. <laughs> let's let's not get too hasty here because, you know, he's making more money now.
1: Uh yeah, I think that's uh the one, the majority of the players in the league aren't the guys who exactly. are going to make like those amazing numbers. And once you uh, move to a free market sort of deal, uh, probably not. This is the short answer. He's probably not interested in something like that. He likes to have the relativity to where he can uh, point to someone else and say like, "Well, I'm the next best thing. I should make something similar to that." And uh, it probably helps more players in the league than not. But uh, you can see both sides of it a little bit. But whenever it's only like. 10 to 12 players in the league that could be making like, well, maybe not even that much, but like if you're talking about like leaps and bounds beyond 200 million, there's only a handful of those. So maybe um, when you think of it in those terms, it's for the benefit of the league as a whole to stay within the caps out
0: And that'll do it. Thank you everybody for listening. This has been... Transition 3 Basketball Podcast. I'm still Nick Dillon. Still with me, Jonathan Kaufman and Keith McAfee. I hope you all had a happy 4th of July.
2: I can't wait to talk to you next Do time. you slide on no, all your nice life?